Welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I'm here with Russell Kay. We're excited. We're going to put this all on tape. <laughs> yes. We are putting this whole podcast on camera, celluloid tape, tape, camera rolling, recording. And uh, <laughs> you wouldn't believe this. Um, uh, Martha in Florida p- p- would not believe this, but we have... <laughs> Uh, stacks and stacks of celluloid film in the back closet of all of the podcasts. We've done over a hundred celluloid film. I've done over a hundred now, and it's really the backup copies are accumulating. Uh, mm. <laughs> well, our guest today is also a Floridian, like Martha. <laughs> is that is that a real word? Would you call yourself a Floridian? Floridian. Yeah. Well, yeah. Florida area, re- Florida woman. Shows up on camera. Yeah, again. <laughs> anyway, Miranda Mitchell, welcome. Thank you yeah. for coming on and being our guest. And you are Thank a you. Tampa Bay Buccaneer. You're one of the dancers for the team, as I understand. Sure. Why not? <laughs> no, I am not. We contacted you. Okay. They contacted you. Tell us. Um, tell us. Like maybe you did a bit of dancing in your past somewhere. Did you do some dancing? No, not at all. I mean, I guess when I was a kid, I loved to dance. So, okay. um, and I, I mean, I do love to dance, but no, I lift, yoga, all those fun things. No dancing, except for when I was a kid. Okay. okay. Tell us about growing up in Florida. What was that like? Well, well I was going to well, do a follow-up question, which is... Too late. I already followed it up. The follow-up question is like, <laughs> well, when we, we all met, I think, in Atlanta. Yeah. And you would come up for a, a yoga trip, and yeah. uh, you had studied with us there. And I was, I was struck by you. You were a, like a phenomenal athlete. So I thought you must have had some kind of background in in something i think you have a lot of hypermobility right miranda yes yes, yes. hypermobility mm-hmm. i mean i practiced a lot um i've always lifted because of my hypermobility so i did have strength mm-hmm. um but it is my hypermobility that has really caused my back issues that i've actually recently been mm-hmm. having for the last nine months mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah wow you- it's not a blessing, no matter what they tell you mm-hmm. in the scriptures. <laughs> in the yoga scriptures. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that, I could easily mm. put my leg behind my head, but... <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating, too, that you said you you always done lifting, like weightlifting, in order to try to create more stability and strength in the joints, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand that you were a childhood weightlifter. <laughs> No, actually, I was very skinny and little oh. as a child. So that's actually, I lifted weights to gain weight. As a child? Well, not as a child, no. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> so you grew up in Tampa. You're kind of like a giant Mm-mm. Warren Sapp fan. And Mm-mm. no, not no. Warren Sapp. The, they were the no. creamsicles then, the Tampa Bay creamsicles. I have no idea because I grew up in Vermont. Vermont. That's <laughs> yeah. that's uh that's like New England. Yes. It's like a newer version of England. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> we wanted to hear the Did, story about her practicing with Krista Shirley and Well, we gotta start with her childhood in Vermont, no, sweetie. You're you gotta all over the place. You gotta go cyclical time, not linear time. Oh no, it's the opposite. So linear time, you're starting in Vermont. Your parents taught at Bennington, is that what they did? 
<laughs> no, Sorry, you all wrong. Way, I know. Like we lived way out in the boondocks in Vermont. I'm the oldest of well, when you put all of us together, there's eight. So I'm the oldest of eight. Wow. Um, like children? Mm-hmm. Yes. Or eight children, children with pets. No, nope, just children. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my word. Yeah. Were you a blended then, family? Or you were, all yes. Blended okay. Irish family. <laughs> Actually, we're English. English? Are you? Are you Anglican? Anglican? Yes. They're Actually some Anglican. ancestors came over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm. Cool. And so what, what was that like? Uh, well, living in Vermont, um, in now the boondocks. I want to go back. Yes. I, now <laughs> yeah. I want to go back because I miss it. But at that point in time, I wanted to go out and do things and get to meet people. So... I hated it at that point. Um, yeah. But so I moved out when I was like 14 and I started wow. with friends. Really? Where you... did you move I to? Did. Like, like into a city or something? No, I actually just started moving in with friends. And yeah. then from there started like partying a lot. That's mm-hmm. really all there is to do in Vermont, really. Right. So <laughs> we partied a lot and I found myself from place to place. So there was Did, a lot of, um, go ahead. Can you describe, <clears throat> I mean, I, I can't imagine my mother letting me do that. Can, mm-hmm. Was, what, were you having a difficult relationship with your parents? Was it? I still do. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Especially yeah. your mom. With my mom. Yeah. 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 What yeah. would you say the difference is between you? My mom and myself. Um, I mean, there are a lot of similarities, but I feel like she's stuck in past beliefs and traumas, and she's just stuck there. Whereas me, I work through things, and I'm always mm-hmm. looking to expand and grow. Where she blames, and she doesn't take responsibility for anything that she's done or not done. That's super interesting because I've I've heard that about. Um, People have been talking about this, like the psychology of the Trumpist and then the conspiracy theorist is this tendency to blame others for your circumstances. Mm-hmm. But if you take responsibility for your circumstances and say, you know, this is I'm I'm the person in charge of my own life here, then you're much less likely to believe in conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Does that resonate with you? Yes, it really does. I feel, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of human design there. There's a lot of <laughs> human design that is about responsibility. I take on a lot of responsibility for things. And that is mm-hmm. actually one of my kind of pet peeves is, you know, if you take responsibility, I can easily forgive you. Just like, just mm-hmm. say, I'm sorry, or I messed up, or, you know, I was young mm-hmm. and I didn't know what I was doing. But for the people that don't take responsibility, it's all the projection of um, that they are they're separated from the other person when in reality we're all connected and taking responsibility and love and compassion. Mm. That's totally different than mm. blaming and projecting that energy of unworthiness and love onto other people. Mm. Is it really a mirror? Is- it's a mere reflection. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's interesting. Do you think is there something in speaking of human design since you're a human design expert? 
Is there something in human design that shows that tendency to like not take responsibility? Uh, well, within each one of the charts, there's different themes. So depending mm. on the astrology markers that are activated in your chart, there's certain themes that you really here to le- uh, learn. So there's certain life themes you're here to learn. There's certain um, spiritual, um, I don't, I don't want to say patterns, but there's there's a low and a high expression of everything. So what happens mm. is we're kind of living as a society in the lower expression because we feel like we have to externally prove our value and be worthy rather than internally looking within. So we're living at a lower expression. So we project all that inadequacy and pain onto other people out into the world. When really, if we were looking in our chart and seeing our different themes in our life, like for me, a huge one is um, inadequacy. There was a lot of proving my value, proving my worth. And when I saw that in my chart, in my conscious son. So what that means, that's the energy I'm here to put out, but the highest mm-hmm. expression is wisdom. So through all of my inadequacies and all my studying and all my depth, I've become very wise. And it's really important for me to bring that out. That's what I'm here to bring society. So when we learn our shadows and learn the themes that we're here to work through to progress in life, then we step into the higher vibration, which is honestly Could- what I love about it because it connects so much with the yoga practices that I was doing and practicing for so many years, it, it felt mm-hmm. like it was an evolution of accepting your shadows, loving your shadows, embracing your shadows, working through your shadows, and then being able to bring that highest expression out into the world because you've done some of the hard pain work. Uh, that's This is a really fascinating but i i want to apologize because i feel a little bit left in the in the dark <laughs> i've never heard the term human design before and it sounded like you guys were talking about astrology so i'm just i wonder if you could kind of help help us and help our our listeners just kind of can you talk about what this is and where it comes from and how you got into it and then we also yeah, so want to get human... back to your childhood but geez <laughs> we're all okay, over the we place today <laughs> Um, Human design was um, channeled by Ra Uruhu in 1987 during a supernova in Spain. Um, He received these five days of this intense, uh, he said it was a voice, this intense voice that was just giving him all this information for five days. And he was told that this, this information was for him to bring out into the world. Um, that honestly, it was truly for the children of the world because we as a society are not aligned energetically and we're killing the planet because we're off energetically. We're doing forcing, we're not living aligned. So what it truly is, and this is why I even gave it a chance, (laughs) is because (laughs) it is the combination of the Hindu chakras, uh, astrology, quantum mechanics, the Chinese I Ching, and uh, the Tree of Life. So it's the combination of all of those modalities that really bring multicultural, traditional, and modern together in one. And I know, and I think we all know, that for anything to progress and stay, um, for, so people want to learn it, it has to bring the traditional with the new. We can't just stay in the traditional so much because people don't want the new age people don't most of them don't want to dive in 
So that's what I loved about this is it brings that traditional wisdom with new quantum mechanics and it's a way that you can actually see your energy based on the time of your birth place and birth date. You said see my energy. So what do you mean by that? What kind of energy would I be looking at? Um, so when you enter your birth time, birth date, and birth place, there's a chart that is, mm-hmm. that comes out. Okay. So it's called a mm-hmm. body graph. And in this body graph, there are nine centers. It, it is through human design that seven of the chakras split in 1781. So the heart chakra, they say split into the G center and the will center and the solar plexus split into the emotional solar plexus and the spleen. So these are the centers, energy centers. So when you look at your chart, you see these areas that are white. And what that means is every area in that chart that is white, whether it be a center or a channel or a gate, which are these kind of lines that Mm -hmm. connect the centers. If they're white, it means that's where you receive energy from other people that you're around and from the environment. So mm-hmm. you take in that energy from the other person, it amplifies, but that is not your mm-hmm. energy consistently. Now, where there is definition, it's called, that's where there's colored areas in the chart. So tan, red, black, there's different colored areas in the chart. And what that means is that is where you have consistent energy. So that is part of your authentic self but the truth of the matter is that's just the energy that you put out into the world so if you guys are around each other let's say harmony has a defined g center which i know she does and <laughs> you have an open g center which a is a g center um, not a mm-hmm. g spot a g center but there would be a <laughs> spot in the center of the g <laughs> actually <laughs> g center represents like love, direction, and identity. Mm-hmm. So Harmony actually has um, her incarnation cross. This is really what her, what she's here to be and give the world is all about love and beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has defined G-Center. So she has a, a pretty good sense of who she is, the direction of her life. Um, and then for me, or maybe if you have an open, I'm not sure, but if your center is white, your G-Center, what that means is, you would take in her energy and almost identify yourself as her. So a lot of people, and I have this for myself, I have an open G. So I would come into the auras of other people and I would change. I would morph. Mm-hmm. I would like, why am I acting this way? But it was because I was taking in their energy, not mine. And then I would react in a way that wasn't true for myself because I thought it was who I was when in fact it was their energy. I, I do that sense. almost in every situation that I'm in. <laughs> but I also start to, started to think of that as my authentic self as just being the, you know, a chameleon is themselves. Mm-hmm. And that is, is after you mm-hmm. realize that, after mm-hmm. you notice that you have the open G center, you can almost like any pain or beliefs that you've created about yourself because of morphing or mistakes that you've kind of made, you can forgive and let that go. And it is a gift, especially as a teacher or a coach or anything like that. We are of service because mm-hmm. you actually can know that person at such a deep level. And they, they're not sure how you do that, but it's because you're taking in that identif- identity while you're in that space. So I'm sure you've mm-hmm. been around people. You just know things mm-hmm. about them. 
Mm -hmm. um, and that could be why if your G center is open, but that happens with every single center that is open. You take in that energy. Mm -hmm. And so then there's like types of people in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think like, like the um, reflector type has a lot of open centers. Is that true? Yeah. So there are five different types. The manifesting generator, the generator, the projector, the manifester, and the reflector. So the generator and manifesting generator are the, the types that really love to work. That are really be We have the energy to work. I'm a manifesting generator. So when we're inspired, we will work all the time. It won't feel like work. It's like it. what makes us thrive. We're here to be of service in the physical form. It makes up about both of those types make up about 70% of society. And that's why we're out of alignment is because the generator types are initiating and doing like out of alignment. That's the manifester only. So we're not resting. We're not truly listening to what we need. We're just working, working, working. Mm -hmm. The projector, which is your type, that is 20% of society. And really what that is, is you take in... You're, you have a lot more open centers, most likely. So you take in other people's energy. So you're actually able to read and see other people's energy more than you can see your own. So a lot of the times it's really important for you to have your practice to really intentionally know who you are because you can take in that energy. But you do have the G center defined. So that's a conundrum, which we all have in our chart. Um, <laughs> um, then the manifester is 9%. They're basically what we're taught that we're all to do, we get an idea, we initiate, and we start the process. It's really not about that. Um, generator types have to wait to respond in the physical form. Projectors have to wait to be invited and seen and drawn in while you do self-care practices. Mm -hmm. Manifestors uh, initiate the process, but then often need support because they're, I kind of like describe them as a sprinter. They get the idea and they go, but then they need to rest. And then the wow. reflector has every single center open. So it means white right. and they're kind of like the mirror to society. So they're taking in the energy and if they're not thriving, they're not happy, then something's off. We're mm -hmm. out of alignment or where they're at. So they actually need to be in nature a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. interesting. So what I'm, what I'm hearing is a, a, a kind of a grand unified um, uh, structure to, in, to interpret personality and interpret energy, something that kind of along the lines of uh, astrology with uh, Indian astrology, uh, Ayurveda, putting that together. And, and it sounds like there's also a kind of theme of um, historicity to it, that, they're, that you're putting it in line with uh, historic events and mm. like an age of oh. Aquarius, for example. So that's well, that's looking, what I'm hearing, and so you were you were attracted to to this. Oh yes, I feel like it came to me at the right time. So as you guys know, I did a lot of years of practice, a stronger practice. Um, mm -hmm. I ended up not listening to my body and being hypermobile, where my wrists got cysts and my back mm -hmm. was a mess, and. Then I had alopecia because I was pushing too much and I wasn't mm -hmm. listening to my body. So I had to take it really slow. Um, so I had that first, which honestly, that was the start to my healing was the Ashtanga practice. That was where I started to make the decisions that were in alignment with me, where I was no longer just settling. I 
I made like a decision to end a 10 year relationship. I mean, there were those big decisions because of the awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when these things happened to my body, I could do pranayama, but I missed the practice <laughs> of mm-hmm. the physical practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started diving deeper into um, coaching aspects and how to ask questions in a way so students mm-hmm. could get deeper into things. And then after I went through that, then human design came to me. And the first year I was like, oh, this doesn't really interest me. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in this because I have a tendency to go all in. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a year later, <laughs> um, I read a book within two weeks. and I said, okay, it's right timing. This feels right. And um, it gave me tangible evidence. And I can explain a little bit. So I have an open head in Ajna. So what that means is I get lots of ideas and inspirations and I have very, very open-minded. My Ajna is uh, completely open, which means that I am very open-minded to all things. So I question mm-hmm. myself in uncertainty a lot because of the ideas and things that come to me constantly. So there's uncertainty mm-hmm. in there. And then with my 48 and my son, inadequacy. So I always question myself, like, during this Ashtanga practice, am I really, truly, is this true for me, these, these things that are coming up, or am I making this up? Like, am I truly making this up? Is this not true? Are my experiences not true? Are my memories not true about my past? Like, is there stuff with my mom? Or she would not admit things. Um, so I was at that space. I still continue to do it because I loved where it brought me. But I always had that question like, oh, well, what if I'm just making all this up? <laughs> you know? Um, and the Ajna so Center I, is like the head chakra area, right? Just yeah, for those listening like who don't know. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and the Ajna does, it's all about beliefs, mm. open-minded and beliefs. And then the head is all about ideas and inspirations. So mm-hmm. um, when I found human design and I saw my chart and I went into my chart, it gave me the tangible evidence that I already knew, but I questioned. Mm. So it just gave me the evidence, oh, like, okay, this is actually true. You're not making this stuff up. And then because of that belief and that knowledge now, I was more able to be more confident, more bold, and step into a higher purpose than what I was originally doing because I I always felt inadequate and unsure. And now I no longer feel that because I know that's just part of who I am and it's okay. <laughs> right. So it like confirmed that, that, that feeling of inadequacy and feeling unsure and like uncertain about even your own beliefs or your own understanding of the world. And then because you saw that in your, um, in your design chart, then you were able to kind of recognize that as just like an aspect of your personality and that it wasn't, something that you needed to like own oh yeah you could just be like or oh fix. that's what i or fix right yeah, yeah like that's right. something that i do and and it's fine i'm just gonna go with my gut or like you know listen to to what, what reason higher reason or higher wisdom or something yeah yeah and you know what before um i even found human design i that reminded me when you said gut. So as a manifesting generator or sacral authority, it is about gut feelings. And for that a year prior, I consciously remember making the choice of I am following my gut, even if it doesn't make sense. 
Mm, and that's how I got to where I was going. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. so fascinating. That's how Trump became president. <laughs> no, no, the same way, just followed his gut right in the prison. I'm, it's, I can. It makes sense to me that you're. I'm seeing you as a as a 14 year old, um, just kind of couch surfing in Vermont, and there's a kind of aimlessness to that profession. Mm. And uh, did, did you did you end up um, in a line of work? I'm I'm trying to figure out like what you looked like at a, as a 19 year old and how you ended up in Tampa. Oh well, as a 19 year old, let's see, what was I doing at 19? <laughs> 19 I mean, all I kinds of just... trouble, obviously, but like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing. I was honestly. I think I'd lived in a car for a little bit. I mm-hmm. constantly, like drank. Like that's all I was doing. I was only yeah. partying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I just mean, wandering the earth from party to party. What nineteen year old can afford a car? Recovering to live in, though. That's <laughs> Oh, it was my friend's car. It was your friend's oh car. <laughs> Yeah. So what shifted this? What changed for Wait, you? Well, I want to no. but how did you get from 19? We're talking about 19 <laughs> and then to Tampa. That was my original okay, question. Let her yeah. let her roll with it. Okay, so at 19 I was still in Vermont. Mm-hmm. And this actually goes hand in hand. Mm. So 19 I was still in Vermont partying a lot <clears throat> and then I got pregnant. Ah. So I had my oh. son. Right. Um, I had my son at 21. Wow. And that's a my long parents, pregnancy. <laughs> from 19 to 21. Really long. <laughs> Jesus. It took a it while. Was somewhere it, in between there. That's just brutal. Uh, things weren't bad enough for you. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Um, but I followed my. Um, even though I didn't live with my parents, they moved down here and I didn't have anything okay. up there. I had my I had my son. Yeah. And his father and I split up because he was actually cheating on me and I didn't yeah. know it. So I moved down here when Jaden was eight months and that's how I moved down here. And honestly to tell you the truth, that was a huge step in me stopping. Because now I had a purpose. I had a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah to take care of someone and to, you know, so there's, I truly believe my kids actually did save me. And I feel like they showed up at certain times for me to wake up. And I truly feel Mm -hmm. that I have been supported, even though I wasn't supported by my family. I feel like I was supported in other ways because there are certain Mm -hmm. things I used to do in life that I just stopped and I don't, Mm -hmm. that were very toxic to myself. And I just stopped and I, I, I don't know. I think I was real. I was guided, and I think it was because mm-hmm. I was here to make uh, more impact. I really do. Yeah. It's you had a, a second child soon after. Yep. So I moved down here, and then I met my ex. Uh, we got married four months after we met. He was in the military, wow. and then he wanted to have his son. So I had Declan, who is my second son. And that relationship was very abusive. So that was an oh. abusive relationship. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I was in that relationship. Oh, it's okay. I mean, it's so funny because people would always say, I'm sorry for some of the things that you've gone to. And I've always known that it was for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I would say I would never change it. 
regardless. And yeah. then I saw my chart, which just shows that. So yeah, <laughs> well, it's, you know, I've been I've been witness to an abusive relationship, and I've been witness to the abuse um, and trauma that my mother's experienced, and I know what it's done to her and how it's affected her ability to interact with others uh, mm. for decades. And yet she's learned so much from the experience and it's shaped her in such an interesting way. So there's, it's, it's so difficult to like, to look at your past and see things that were, you just wish you'd made a different decision, but at the same time, it informs so much of who you are presently. And it's, it's, yeah. you know, having uh, regrets is it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't have my second son. Yeah. So, that's right. um, and I remember I get to the point. So if you know astrology at 28 to 32, there's a shift in Saturn. Mm -hmm. uh, so at 28 is when I finally, I don't know what it was. At one point I said, I'm not doing this anymore. My boys cannot think this is okay. Right. So mm -hmm. I planned for an entire year to get out because he controlled everything. I had to ask permission to get a job. I had to ask permission to do anything. So I right. had to plan for an entire year and then wait for him to mess up to yeah. get him out of the house. So he was in jail. So yeah. wow. I was able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. You know, often that's how, um, the, I'm trying to. I was going to try and make a joke out of this, but I'm. It's, it's actually just. It's actually just real. Is that uh, the the yeah. law is so sexist that you know mm -hmm. when a if a man say catches his his wife in bed and he kills her, it's a it's a crime of passion, you know, and so you you get a lower manslaughter charge. Mm -hmm. But you know if you're a woman mm -hmm. and you plan your husband's murder for a year, you can do four times the the time. Even so where did this go to murder? <laughs> just the about. amount of planning that a woman will do to get out of a marriage. Yeah, she has to though. And that's, especially an abusive that's the difference one. because of the physical yeah. the, the physical differences of yeah. men and women and, and especially like very strong men <laughs> that have like brute strength. Yeah. And and if you're uh, and if fearful for your so, life, you have to yeah. plan. Yeah. yeah. And that was more so he had me believing so much that I was nothing. That was nothing. Mm -hmm. that you would not, I was this tiny little meek little person that would not even speak. So mm -hmm. it was totally different. Um, but what gave me the strength was only my kids. It wasn't even mm -hmm. for me at that point. It was yeah. for my kids, Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. I will not, I will not forget the look on his face <laughs> when he, um, he, I showed up in court. And I actually had a lawyer and I had it all set for when that happened. He was like, you should have seen his face. He thought he was just going to get out of jail and it was going to be fine. It wouldn't be exactly right. what it was before, but I had done it so I could get out in a safe way. And I didn't want the boys to suffer more than they had already. So, so you, you had waited for him to, to get picked up on a charge. You kind of anticipated that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, wow. I waited. And how did you know that he would he would get arrested? Had he been getting arrested? How, how did you know that would happen? Well, I called the cops. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I see. I thought you were yeah. waiting for him to get picked up on a on a 
assault charge from from the bar or something but no i see <laughs> oh, so no. when he abused it was you called the police and then this is it we're done you waited for right. that so there okay. was the incident i went to work the next day i showed them the marks they let me go to get an injection and then they got and picked him up so i wait it was the only way i felt like i could get out because he had co- total control and i mean honestly mm-hmm. i would not recommend it because he could have easily killed me it was through choking sure. so yeah. i mean he could have easily killed me so um but it, i got out in a way that was safe and mm-hmm. the boys are good and so yeah but that was 20 years ago so i've had i've been a able lot to of raise time the kids. to process it mm-hmm. too yeah 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 is is this about when you started doing yoga at the same time? Were you were you weightlifting at this time as well? Uh, I was weightlifting. That uh-huh. it's interesting because I only I I did that because I needed strength. Mm. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. That's so yeah. that's what I focused on, and yeah, then I needed incredible. strength. Yeah, and then I needed strength to raise my two boys on my own. So mm-hmm. I constantly was about strength. Yeah, and then after. I found yoga was when I wanted, when I, I overheard someone calling me the ice princess and I <laughs> no. knew that I was cold. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause you're protecting yourself. Right. So then I yeah. wanted to go to vulnerability and boy was I a mess for a long time. It took me about two years to be a mess in yoga, but then I was there. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I bet a lot of stuff came up in those first few years. Yeah. Yeah. Was it yoga at first? Was it Ashtanga yoga later? Or was that's kind of normally how it goes? Is is that what happened for you? Uh, actually, I went. Someone guided me to a hot yoga place, so I went there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the person that actually was teaching just graduated Ashtanga, uh, like mm-hmm. a certification. Yeah. And then I met Allie Ford. Oh yeah. So, I feel like I know so, that name, Allie Ford. Where would I know her from? Florida. She, I think she came to one of our workshops. I that sounds right. But if, <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. I know that you worked with Krista Shirley, and Krista Shirley, uh, I, I coached and supervised for a year when she was teaching kids in, in the schools, in the public schools in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And that's how I, I met her. As I, you know, uh, my, uh, my boss and I, Gene, we flew down to Orlando and met her. Um, Tim Fellman had introduced introduced us and said you should you should work with Krista, and so I think you started working with her like right after that, right after that year. That yeah, she- yeah. So I worked with Ali first because it was in this community here, Ali Ford. Um, I don't think that she was authorized at the time, but she was teaching mm-hmm. Ashtanga, and then I wanted to go deeper. And Krista. Um, I know I'm pig-headed sometimes, and I know. <laughs> well, the two of you would get along really well. <laughs> well, I knew that she would push me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 She, yeah. Because if you're pig-headed <laughs> and she is as strong as she is, then that's going to be a, an alchemical combination. <laughs> yeah, but it was amazing because she, she would just say it in the most – like I'm like, oh, like when I was trying to do backbends, I'm like, well, it really hurts when I put my arms over my head. Can I just do it like this? And she would just look at me and be like, you can. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, 
yeah. Yeah, I love so I, I love Krista. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. I actually met her in Thailand when I was teaching on Paul Delahan's teacher training there at Yoga Thailand back in maybe 2004, 2005, I forget. But that's how we first met even before she went to Mysore. <laughs> before she had oh, her baby wow. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She hasn't got married yet. I think they were maybe engaged at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she had a, we've had a long, a long connection. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. she's very splat. She'll just say it like it is. And she's very open as well. Not, you know, yeah. You always what know I need what to get. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. When I made that decision, I was like, oh, yeah. She's gonna yeah. push me. That's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you did like a like a training with her then. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was yeah. like a it was like a an internship, and then right. um, I would help guide even in the Mysore class and stuff nice. afterwards too. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. And and so by that time you'd already like kind of processed a lot of your past and like gone through all that stuff with Allie, or that really came out then. <laughs> okay it was wow Krista. yeah it was Krista. i remember yeah and that's why i knew it was her um because i would work on backbends forever and I, everyone would cry and do all and i'm like when <laughs> am i gonna cry like why yeah. is it been two years <laughs> you know um but then it, doing the work with her that finally when i broke and i cried like i just fell to the floor and I said random stuff that no one could even understand what I was saying. And then from that moment on for like a whole year, I was just a mess. <laughs> I was a, yeah. a wow. mess. Like I, Speaking I in tongues is, like, is a normal yeah. response to Kapotasana. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> did you feel like, did you feel like that area of your body was opening up that like it was releasing a lot of like past trauma or did you, yeah like what was your your body experience yeah it definitely was there was um i still feel like i have a lot of stuff in my back i really mm-hmm. and that's why i have back stuff still mm-hmm. i have um you know when you think at 14 you're living on your own you're ha- then have kids you're mm-hmm. you're taking care of these two like i put responsibility on me a lot mm-hmm. so i did everything i figured everything out i was i did everything so there was a lot of stuff that came there, especially with the heart. I remember one time too, I was I was doing a forward fold and she goes, it looks like you're rounding over your heart. Why is that? Just those yeah. little questions like, oh, I yeah. know what this answer is. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of opening there. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Amazing. When I, I moved from New York uh, then to England and then I, I made a big shift to go to teach in Taiwan. And I was really struck by how the circumstances of the society can change and shift the body that's manifested in the Ashtanga yoga room. Whereas, you know, I was so used to crying, uh, uh, terrified people in New York people who are really like just brutalized and out there on their own, trying to make it, trying to hustle, trying to do anything they could to to live and survive. And then, you know, become, you know, make it big somehow. somehow. (laughs) And then I went to Taiwan where most people live with their parents until they're about 33. (laughs) 
and that's not that's that's a real stat you know they in their mid their mid 30s they finally move out of their parents house and so something like at least one out of 3 of my students grab their own knees and backbends mm. one out of 3 which is like it was one out of 100 in new york you know because the the brutality of the of just try, of the survival to live is so different for an American than it is for a Taiwanese person who's really, you know, their needs are so much more taken care of. They're not just is hustling to live. Are, but is it that their needs are taken care of or is it they're less materialistic and like wanting to make things happen? Well, I'm less ambition. Um, materialistic, uh, that's kind of, it's like a giant mall, Taipei. Everyone's buying and selling, buying, mm -hmm. you know, designer goods. Um, it's, you know, it's just that they, there's so many more resources available to them. They don't have to hustle as much because they're not, you know, hustling to live. Mm -hmm. It's interesting too. Like if you look at Louise Hayes sort of, um, you know, healing, healing your body through like where you're holding emotions in your body the base of the spine, and maybe you can speak to this in, in relation to human design, because I'm sure there's some correlations, but like the base of the spine and the low backs really all about your financial survival and like your ability to provide and, um, you know, even like that area of the muladhara chakra, right? Your survival instincts, you know, are you safe? Are you secure? Do you have income? Do you have a home? Do you have all those things, right? And then the middle of the back sort of behind the heart area is all about your emotional support. So are you feeling emotionally supported? Are you feeling safe emotionally? Are you feeling like, you know, people around you are, are providing a space for you to, to open up and like express yourself in an emotional way. And then it goes up into the cervical spine. I, I think that's all about like your um, way of seeing the world. So like when people have neck issues often that's cause they're getting stuck. Um, either in expressing themselves and inability to express mm -hmm. yourself, but also stuck in a, like a one pointedness of seeing something like a, an inability to see multiple perspectives or many directions, right? They're kind mm -hmm. of stuck in one way of thinking or being. Is there anything like that with, I know the chakras and the, the meridian system in human design that like correlates somehow? Yeah. So it goes into more of the center. So the, the root center mm -hmm. is all about security like you said grounding um mm -hmm. right uh, the one thing that's added into that is right timing and not forcing mm -hmm. so i i mean i feel our society is made to really force time mm -hmm. to make things happen because we're in a rush to make things happen and then we want to create mm -hmm. more instead of just being happy where we're at so it's all about mm -hmm. right timing and not forcing mm -hmm. um the will center is about like value um, and still that pushing forward. So if you have a defined will, a lot of time what happens is like I have a defined will. I If I need to do something and if I'm exhausted, I can still do it. I'll do it regardless, right. you know? Mm -hmm. So what happens is I burn myself out, which is mm -hmm. probably why I had alopecia and thyroid and all that stuff. Plus I would always swallow down my words. I would never say mm -hmm. anything. So that's all about um, like value and your value. Do you believe in your value? Do you believe that you're able to put yourself out there, that people value you? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so there's diff- those different aspects. And then the emotional, like the emotional mm-hmm. um, solar plex is actually a huge one. Um, because I mentioned that the solar plexus in human design split, right? So it was like, mm-hmm. it's the spleen and the um, emotional solar plexus. So in human design, really, we they say we've been living out of the spleen since forever. It's out of fight or flight, uh, mm-hmm. survival. Like we do things mm-hmm. to survive. Now yeah. it says by 2027, so ev- this has been happening with the children that are being born, I guess. There's mm-hmm. things in there actually that are even talking about the shift in sexuality, the shift mm-hmm. in how we see ourselves sexually. Um, we're moving out of the fight or flight into creativity. So we're moving more into uh, consciousness connected with the earth, creative flow, um, emotional emotional stuff rather than just fight or flight mm. so um i went on a little tangent that and i don't know answer if i answered your question <laughs> yeah definitely definitely just like like if you're stuck maybe or you have some blockages or you're not honoring those areas of your body maybe it'll show up even in physical ways is is it the same oh yes definitely definitely so in human design um if you have like if you have the will center defined and it's connected to your throat, mm-hmm. um, and you're pushing, 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 so you're out of alignment, you can burn out your thyroid, which, hello, that's one thing <laughs> that I That actually happened? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's me, because I was pushing, pushing, right. like my entire life was fight or flight, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's learning about those centers and how can you trust rather than mm. prove, force, make things happen. So it's all about yeah. trusting the energy of what you have consistently and variability, and then just try to trust that process and know what's right for you based on your type. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. what, like, which is all based on when you were born and what was happening, what's happening in your body at that time, what's happening in the stars, all those things. <laughs> well, that has the, the gate activations is all where the planet it's the gate that the a certain planet was in at the time Mm -hmm. of your birth so there's that and there's the unconscious so Mm -hmm. if you look at your chart the red side is that is where the gates or the planets were 88 days before you were born so these are still part of you but it's unconscious you're unaware of these patterns Mm -hmm. then the black side on the right is the gate activations at the time of your born so we actually have the unconscious and the conscious that we have to balance and be aware of and learn so that we can step into our highest potential, which is really the energy that we're here to be. It's not anything that we do. It's about who we be, how we be, and what we do with that, but it's how we be. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I think like like you're saying, we have certain um, tendencies in and tendencies that we take on from the world. So for like you, it was like really pushing and like you could push through things, you could like keep going, you could just be doing, doing, doing all the time. And then to see this as your tendency or even to like experience those physical, um, I guess like, like the negative physical results, you know, in this case, like mm-hmm. burning out your thyroid, having alopecia, you know, like autoimmune disorders, you know, all the stuff coming up from pushing too much, right? Yep. That that then to 
you know, have this sort of system where you can look to it or where you're start to explore it. And all of a sudden it gives you um, a different way of understanding yourself in the world. Yeah. And it gives you the permission to like, I always ask myself now that I know I have the defined well, I always ask myself, uh, am I doing this because I'm obligated to feel like I have to, or am this, or is this inspiring? And if I'm too tired and it's not in alignment, if I have that choice to switch it to a different day, I give myself permission. Whereas before I would push through. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Out of responsibility. Yeah. And integrity. Yes. Yeah. And that was one thing because we, we had a consultation. That's why, you know, my chart, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) but, uh, that was one thing that I think was really interesting from a projector standpoint, that idea of, um, you know, not necessarily being able to make things happen, but, you know, allowing for that right timing to happen and, and waiting to be invited. And that's when, you know, my energy or my sort of presence is going to be the most potent is being invited into a space or being invited to a place rather than like, you know, trying to like send out an email or send out a, <laughs> a resume or whatever mm. it is. Right. That's like less, um, less of a powerful place for me, whereas it could be a very powerful place for someone else. Most likely a manifester. Right. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and for you, yeah, the projector honestly is like the projectors really are here to guide like you see the energies of other, you feel the energies and you're really here to guide others into what is in alignment for them. Mm-hmm. That's really what, but you need to rest. Like you actually need to rest more than almost anyone. Like they say 20 hours of work or 20 hours of rest and four hours of work just because Perfect. energetically. <laughs> uh, yeah. And most projectors I talk to, they're like, oh yes. Whereas if you say that to a manifesting generator, I would be like, what would I do with the rest of my time? (laughs) You know, I need to work. (laughs) So that it gives you permission to, oh, I do know that about myself and it's okay. It's not like I have to compare or prove or anything to anyone else. Like this is my energy and I'm at my fullest potential when I'm invited into things and it feels right for me. It was very challenging when you live in a world that's all about manifesting and generating. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I'm not fond of it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I want to know what Russell's chart is now. I'm so I do too. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be like a reflector or something. <laughs> and what is that again? What's a reflector again? The reflector is when all the centers, so the shapes in the chart are all white. So that means mm-hmm. you're constantly taking in energy in every single center. So inspiration mm-hmm. ideas, beliefs, throat, identity, mm-hmm. willpower, spleen, emotions, and root. And how can I get all of that out of me? <laughs> well, we don't know if you're a reflector yet. <laughs> no, but I, I want it out. Though. He wants it out. <laughs> that I always say is starts with awareness. Awareness. That's why I, yeah. To know, that's why I feel like just knowing your chart and seeing that you can start to kind of experiment with it. Ah, I'm kind of feeling this way. I have an emotional open solar plexus. So I'm going to go out of this space 
I'm going to see if that I still feel that way, you know? So you get mm-hmm. to kind of experiment and try things out and notice things. It's all about the awareness first, just like with any healing, you can't heal unless you are aware of whatever's going on. So if you are aware of the energy that you take in, you can I'm start often, to make choices. I'm often very aware that I've been disturbed and then I want to exit the situation as quickly as I can and get uh, get away from uh, stimulus. Hmm. Are you saying that now? No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that was I, good though. I, just about anything can stimulate me to want to hide. Yes. Ugh. We'll have to I, check is, out your chart later. Rez. This is a hiding time. So tell, I want to hear a little bit more too about your, your practice journey. Cause you were such a, you're like a full on like go getter. You're in the training, you're doing the Ashtanga every day. You're assisting, you're like living the Ashtanga dream. And then we, we met her in Atlanta, right in the thick of it. And you were, yeah, you were losing your hair a little bit and it was a, it was frightening. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I lived, I did that for a long time. I really loved like teaching and assisting and I loved my practice, but then I started, I mean, I always just pushed too much. So I pushed mm-hmm. too much on my wrists and then they started hurt. I couldn't even put pressure on my wrists and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. everything that I would try to do was causing me pain. So I realized, okay, even though the stronger practice says six days a week, regardless, I'm going to take a break. Cause I feel like I needed to take a break. My body mm-hmm. was telling me, something is up. So I spent a lot of time just healing and resting and making sure I got asleep because I wasn't sleeping. I would get up in the morning and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then from there, I found like, I really started loving pranayama. So I started doing pranayama because I was like, okay, I'm still doing my practice because I had that guilt of not doing my practice because I, Mm -hmm. you know, I I loved my practice and I was supposed to do my practice. Um, So I did pranayama and then then I just went more into like self-study. So I started studying myself and learning about myself. So I feel like I have, I feel like I started externally in the physical form because that was what I knew at the moment. And that's what needed my attention. But now it's a lot more subtle. It's a Mm -hmm. lot more subtle of a practice. I still do my self-study pranayama. I still love that. But the physical practice I don't know, maybe after my back is better, maybe I can dive into that again, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but your body started to heal. Your body started to heal through the rest and through mm-hmm. taking a different approach to your spiritual discipline. Yes, it did. Were yeah, you, I have uh, all my hair back. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so at this point, when we met you in Atlanta, were you, you were on the on – the, uh, the most part, were you making an income through teaching yoga? Is that what your yes. your work was? Is that and what had you been doing before? Like uh, when you were in your your ex in your in your marriage, what kind of work were you doing then? Well, at that point, I really wasn't working. So I had asked permission to work, so I was just doing uh, mm. office work. I finally got into, but after we separated, I started doing personal training. Okay, yeah. so. I had been a personal trainer and I put myself through school for, uh, for exercise science and health sciences. Mm -hmm. So I was a personal trainer for about 10 or so years, maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. even longer, maybe 12. 
um, because it gave me that time to be there for my boys. I needed to pick them up, bring them to school, all of that. Um, And then from there, that's when I felt I found yoga. And I was like, oh, I actually love the feeling that I feel more so now than I do with lifting because everyone's so thankful for just being here and they're not constantly comparing their bodies and I'm not good enough, strong enough. So that Mm -hmm. is when I went into yoga and the more softer vulnerability Mm -hmm. type of thing. And then I did yoga and taught yoga for probably six or seven years. And then I went into coaching um, and then into human design coaching. Because it does seem like your, your path is directed towards the changing of habits, which, you know, Mm -hmm. from what I could what I could glean from yoga is was the whole point is like, you're, you're trying to shift negative patterns that are not conducive to health. And it's interesting the way that you were looking at your practices and the way that you were looking at your, your, I, I don't want to say pastime. I, I mean to say like your physical practices that you were doing with, with uh, personal training. It's like, you were really looking at it. Like what, could, how is this going to help me with my energy? And then in turn, mm-hmm. you're looking at your client and saying, well, what do I at root need to help their direction, you know, their habit right. and really getting to the heart of their energetic bodies is what it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. That is exactly. And I feel like I was, you know, I learned as a manifesting generator too, because um, I used to get down on myself about why do I keep shifting from one thing to another, like personal training, then yoga, then this. Mm-hmm. It's like, why can't I just sit still and, and do something forever? You know, why can't I just right. be inspired by that forever? But as a manifesting generator, actually, we're here to do many things. And it's actually, I always like to say now, I live, I have lived already many lifetimes in this life. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, for, like for manifesting generators and generators, well, more so for manifesting generators, it's about do it until it inspires you. And if it no longer inspires you, it gave it, it's given you what you needed for your evolution to grow more. So what is going to, what, what is going to come up for you to respond to for that next thing? Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like I went from personal training to yoga to coaching to this. It's because I'm, and the yoga was the hardest one for me to, to like let go a little bit. I was mm. like, no, I have to hold on. I have to hold on. Like this is my I have to. But then after I realized that it's like, okay, but this gave this it gave me what I what I needed at that mm-hmm. time. And I still have the subtle practices and it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Interesting. I think that's like such a, a deep learning lesson. Um, especially like in the Ashtanga yoga realm. We're so mm-hmm. Uh, in, indoctrinated <laughs> that you know this is a practice for life and it has to look this way and it has to be done like this and like if you're not doing it this way you're not doing it and it's just like so intense mm. and it creates so much shame and guilt and destructive thinking and destructive patterns when we hang on to that form so tightly, I think. And learning to like just open the fingers a little bit and like be a little softer, let go a little bit more, you know, is is not that you have to let go of the form completely unless unless you're feeling called right. to, but just like softening the grip on the structure and the the um 
orthodoxy. And on top of that, <laughs> if you're the the profession is also carved out in stone, where if you're not teaching a six a.m. to nine p.m. Mysore class, what are you really? Are do you have any right. worth in our community? You know, do you have any value? And like, well, I don't have any money. If that's what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's but like you say, it's the hardest thing. It's the hardest transition, I think, for people to make. And that's like also I think what called me to coaching was was helping people through that that stage, that transition where it's like, you know, this really isn't working. You've identified mm-hmm. like I want to do this thing, but I'm not doing this thing. I don't know why I'm not doing this thing. You know, is it working for me? Isn't it working for me? Do I just need to like push myself? You know, why isn't it working? And I think like stage of life too has a lot to do with it, you know, especially for Mm -hmm. women entering like, you know, perimenopause, you know, entering middle age, you have older children or, you know, middle aged kids, you have a lot of demands, you have a job. Middle aged kids. (laughs) Middle aged kids. (laughs) I do. My teen teen years. That's what we have is middle age. (laughs) You know, you have like many, many things going on. And, and it's like, you don't quite have that same like freedom of, of time and energy that maybe you did when you were younger or, you know, something's happened in your life that's, you know, created a like a health crisis, right? Where you're like, my body's just saying no now. My, I haven't <laughs> There's slept. nothing I can do. I haven't slept in 10 years. I haven't <laughs> eaten anything more than, you know, apples and water <laughs> and a chapati once a day. And then like, oh yeah, my, everything fell apart. I, my, yeah. I can't move my back anymore because all I do yep. is lift bodies. What drew yeah. you into the into the coaching aspect of things? Was it just like the self re- study you were doing and the self reflection? Actually, the thing that brought me into that was I was helping with uh, Mysore, um, <laughs> and I felt I just felt this I don't know this calling or whatever that I wanted to start um, helping the students go deeper through mm-hmm. asking questions, not yeah. through telling or just like, cause I knew for myself the internal is great, but when someone asks me a question that makes me really like dig deep, mm-hmm. things come up. Yeah, so so transformative, knew, right? Yeah. And I knew with like the students, doing the practice that they were already doing that. So these questions would be so powerful, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that was the first thing is I wanted to bring it to the students in that way. And then it just shifted and changed and evolved. Yeah. You went on a whole journey (laughs) (laughs) and then, and now you're mainly focused on doing the human design coaching combo. Yeah. So now I do like, um, I do like readings and stuff so I can connect with people and help them learn their energies and what that means to them. Um, and then I do coaching aspects, but actually I just started a business with Annalena, um, called the Align Living Certificate, uh, Align Living Academy. And we actually have a human design certification that we have created because we actually want to bring it to coaches, professionals, uh, leaders, 
the amount that it has changed with our, the awareness of who we are and how confidently we put ourselves out there now. And every reading, I can't say there's been never a reading that something did not touch where there was almost like a, like, oh my gosh, yes, I know this. I know there's yeah. tears. I mean, there's a lot. So we want to bring it out and make global impact. We want to bring it to coaches. I mean, the certification we have running right now, we have people, Netherlands, UK. So um, we're really wanting to bring this out into the world. So we help humanity as a whole love, accept themselves. And then in turn, they will accept others. And then we can also teach our kids. So that's our goal. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. And it's, it's such a useful tool. I mean, it's complex tool, but it's useful. Well, the human, the human uh, person, is it a complex? The human person is complex Mm. and in complex pain. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, I, I kind of, I always talk about it like we do yoga. It's like the onion. And so you're, yeah. you're layer, taking layer after layer. So what happens is a lot of people will just want to know everything. They want to know the type, strategy, authority, center, gates, channels, like how to all the things. And it's like, okay, that's the information, but you're not doing the work. So it, it doesn't mean anything. So mm-hmm. the way that we teach is all through, okay, type and strategy, now embody it. How does that feel mm-hmm. to you? Do you notice when you're invited into things? Is it easy? Do you notice when you push into things? So it's the layering effect of going into the type and strategy, then maybe the profile. So it's it's about the embodiment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what human design is for, too. It's connecting to our bodies. Our bodies know, and it guides us. We get goosebumps. We get these feelings of like you're just drawn to people, but then our mind controls it. So it's mm-hmm. really about connecting to the body and then having that balance between body, gut, mind. You know, this reminds me of a conversation we had last week on the podcast, which was uh, about the Vedas and, um, you know, what is the goal of a society? What is, you know, what, what are their monuments? What do they look, what do they look to and the, the Vedas and the Indus Valley uh, as a monument was their was their uh, devotion to awareness, which doesn't give you a, a lot of um, you know statues. pillars and statues and uh, you know giant phalluses. You don't get that when the point of your society is awareness. And one of the th- and it reminded me that you know one of the things that was so shifting in um, Western society was modernism. And the tearing down of uh, imperial monuments, and then those were replaced with new monuments. But so often those are, you know, like the the um, personalities. You know, like uh, you tear down um, the the Romanovs and you replace it with Stalin, or you you tear down the, the imperial society of China and you replace it with uh, Mao, and it's. Um, tearing down monuments to uh, empire and replacing them with awareness, you know, an interest in awareness, an interest in, in looking at the self and the, and the patterns of the self and how the self operates with its own intrinsic energy and how it looks out in the world would probably be much more conducive to a, a, a helpful healing society. Mm. Oh, definitely. And there's a lot of, 
uh, like with the open centers, I didn't even go into the conditioning aspects. There's so many ways that we are conditioned by where we live, who we're around. Um, you know, we're conditioned from the minute that we are born. We're even mm-hmm. conditioned by the energy of our parents because let's say I have open centers in one area and my dad or mom has a defined center. I would take in that energy for all that time and think it's me, but it's not me. So when Mm -hmm. I get out of that, it's I'm conditioned. Like I believe what my mother believes. So I believe, but it's when you're able to see your chart and say, wait a minute, I have that open. This is a conditioning aspect. This is not me. So you're able to kind of release that. And it's the awareness of the energy of who you truly are. And I will say that because the, the blueprint is at the time of your birth. So it doesn't change. The -hmm. only thing that changes is your conditioning by your experiences and your beliefs and who you're around. So when you can look at that again and say, wait a minute, that's open. I choose not to believe that anymore. And that's what I was able to do because I had done so much work in like, with yoga and slowing down, I was able to just look at that and be like, oh, well, that belief was a load of crap because that has nothing to do with me. And that was a belief by my mother <laughs> because she believed that. <laughs> yeah, right. that sounds exactly yeah. like Patanjali's, um, you know, observation of, of the, the samskaras and that they're built up of these little seeds. And you can destroy these little seeds by observing that they're just stories and they don't have to belong to you. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Wow, so interesting about human design. I know. I think we made a believer, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least maybe a twinge of interest. We planted a seed of curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would would love to introduce you to our audience. How how could people explore human design with you or explore, explore learning more about themselves with you? Where could they find out more about themselves? Um, you can find me at Miranda-Mitchell.com. That is my website. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the Aligned Living Academy.com. That's with my partner and I, uh, where we do the certification for coaches and so forth. And as always, Instagram, uh, Miranda J. Mitchell. Find me there. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I highly recommend a consultation and a session. It was so interesting and informative. We'll have to get Russell Okay, on. so I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> okay. <Funny. laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. She's like, wait a minute. This is my podcast. <laughs> okay, so during what – was there something that you learned that you were like, huh, yeah, that's, that's something? I think the thing that really um, – I think like really confirmed something that I already knew, but hadn't really like um, maybe put it into words before was that strategy that you were talking about that wait to be invited because um, like, I never really, I very rarely ever like reach out to a yoga studio say, and say, you know, say, Oh, you know, can I come do a workshop or whatever? Right. I always wait to be invited. to have people send me an email to invite me. I never stretch that way. And I, I always hear about other yoga teachers who do this and send out like, hey, you know, I'm whoever and I teach the, you know, I'm in a whatever authorized yoga teacher level two, you know, can I come to your studio and teach a workshop or whatever? I never really do that. Um, and so always when I'm invited, it works out really well. 
And sometimes mm-hmm. I've been invited by people who don't own the schools. And sometimes that doesn't work out as well. <laughs> um, uh. And then even like with just like my whole, I think just my whole life, <laughs> to be honest, is always like, I never feel like I'm really in control of it in a way. Like I'm not really like. You're writing it. Forging. Yeah. It's like surfing a wave. Like I'm just sort of like going where the flow and the energy feels like it's moving me rather than like directing it. Mm -hmm. And so that really felt like it resonated with that strategy because it's much more about, and then also listening to my gut because my, my spleen was, was my center of, of knowing. And that's always in the now. Yeah. That's always like the thing. And so it really reinforced to me, like, like just listen to your gut, you know, you know, if this is right or not right. And like, just go with your instinct. And that's kind of how I, I just live life really <laughs> it's mm-hmm. riding the wave and like listening to my gut instinct about things. That's how you end up married to me honestly, for that matter. <laughs> well, that's yeah. how it can be. It's like easy that way. It feels good that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, life can be truly easy when you trust that and you're, you are, you're yeah. splenic. So like, you know, in the now, you just know, mm-hmm. you just know, you know? Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, working with a business coach at the time or just like sort of nearing when we were doing our consult and and so much of the strategy was like about making things happen and like putting yourself out like all about manifesting and like all the things that you have to do in order to make things happen (laughs) and I was just like I was trying so much and I really burnt myself out because I was like taking on that energy of like what's working for someone, someone else in their own sort of, you know, design constitution. And for me, it was working because I was able to kind of take that energy and, and transform it into my own, but it also was like burning me out a lot. So, (laughs) right. So it's just not, it does work but it's not sustainable. It's not exactly. how you want to live your life. Yeah. Yes. And then I felt like I wasn't really living my life. I was living someone else's life, even though it was my life. It was just like, oh my God, what's going on? Why am I like in this crazy, like, you know, insane schedule and like having to do all these crazy things all the time. It didn't yeah. feel easy. And when I, when I follow that, like more like surfing the wave and like listening to my gut, it feels easy. So that was really interesting, like going, not going against myself, like learning how not to go against myself too, right? Like just having that confirmation and that affirmation of like, like, okay, is this, is this going with the flow? (laughs) Is this like really, you know, and then also like really listening and trusting myself because sometimes we don't do that, right? We think, oh, I should do this or... I should say yes or whatever, right? Rather than like, is this right or wrong? Do I want to or not, right? right? And just like, yes, no, yes, no. Like going in the moment, in the now with my like gut intuition, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing when we, it's really all about sustainability and ease. Like that's truly what everyone wants in life, right? Mm -hmm. Mm. Totally. I would think. I want to be left alone. (laughs) If I could just have that, that'd be good. Mm, I'm gonna sit wanna, in on your session. People, um, <laughs> I do want to be invited to things, you know, like, uh, like an art gallery. No. But I want to say no and then not do that thing. 
Yeah, that's that's where I like. That's my sweet spot. Maybe my... all of his centers. What if all of your centers are are strong, like blot, like color defined, defined. Mm, yeah. defined. Yeah. What what kind of person is that? The devil himself. <laughs> no, that is red actually... all right down the line. <laughs> That is actually a manifesting generator, and it's rare, but it, it it does happen. My niece, my niece is that she has everything defined. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow! So she like just really knows who she is, and is really just out She's in the world intense. making change. Huh. <laughs> she is just intense. Like she, you can just see she just sits there and she's like, she's just intense, and she's young. She's twelve. She's wow. intense. Yeah. I think though, I think Russell, you do have either your Ajna or I think your Ajna is defined. I, I think. Probably, yeah. He's stubborn. Defined. Yeah. That sounds that sounds, <laughs> that sounds terrible. Very stubborn. No, <laughs> you have consistent consistent energy there. <laughs> yes, it is consistent for sure. Relentless is what my niece calls it. Consistently, no. My niece says, "Uncle Russ is relentless." Yeah, that's what she's. That's how she describes me. Um, when I'm when I'm teasing her, um, I'll do a thing where I'll play dumb. It's like, what do you mean by basketball? Like the ball is in the basket. What, what do you like? Do you, and you want to do that right now? What do you? This is this and is then, like a, a technique on how to frustrate children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then she says, "I just." Like most people will like let go after a bit and like stop and like, haha, that was funny. But I won't with her. I'll just keep going until she's so maddened that she has to leave me alone. <laughs> ah, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. You are our first human design expert and... It was just I, really wonderful I to hear your say, journey. And I love your and arm sleeve. Things. Your beautiful tattoos. Yeah. This is fantastic. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I wish um, I had. I was that. just going through them. I mean, Arjuna's arrow is here. Uh, Arjuna's arrow oh, with the fantastic. moon, lotus. Lotus. I'm going yeah. to Egypt um, in September, so I have the ankh here with the oh, eye. Nice. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Fantastic. So thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, enjoy Egypt. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.